Last week I talked about how unique the beginning of John's gospel was. How he starts off actually before the beginning because he starts off in eternity and then talks about how the second person of the Trinity, the very Son of God, became one of us, took on human flesh. Today we're hearing from the beginning of Mark's gospel, which is also a unique beginning. Mark just dives right in. He starts off by talking about John the baptizer coming and, and preaching about the coming Savior, that he is here. And then we have John baptizing Jesus in the, in the Jordan River. And then it moves on to, to Jesus being tempted in the wilderness for 40 days by Satan. That's a lot of ground to cover in 13 verses. And then we get to the text before us. But that's kind of the way Mark's gospel works. He likes to keep things moving along. He uses the word immediately 41 times in his gospel. Not that he's, that he's in a hurry, but he just likes to, to keep things going along at a pretty good clip. And so it's not really surprising that when Jesus appears on the scene in Mark's gospel, he gets right down to work. Mark presents him in this way john the baptizer has baptized him he's been anointed with the spirit satan has tempted him in the wilderness jesus has defeated him and now it's time to begin his work so let's listen again to a few verses from our gospel reading mark chapter 1 starting at verse 15 please rise as we listen to these words the time is fulfilled jesus said the kingdom of god has come near Repent and believe in the gospel. As Jesus was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Thus far the text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if you're familiar with fishing at all, you know that, that there are some times that are better to fish than others, at least when we're talking about fishing for, for leisure. I mean, there are all kinds of other factors that, that play into it, but generally you could say that, that mornings and evenings are the best time for fishing. And in this reading where Jesus is talking about fishing, it, it, he makes it very clear that it is now the best time. He says the time is fulfilled. Now maybe it's okay to say that this is an understatement. What I mean is this, since the time that God had first made the promise in the garden after Adam and Eve had sinned, and he makes, makes the promise of a Savior, well then the clock starts ticking. For thousands of years, his people had been waiting, waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. And through the centuries, God revealed more and more about who this Savior, this Messiah, was going to be. And the people still waited. Now, I'm sure many times they got impatient waiting, wondering if this promise was ever going to be fulfilled, especially after many of them were carried off into exile. Many of them probably lost hope. 
But God's timing is not our timing. God's timing is the timing that we have to pay attention to. It says, Paul says in Galatians 4, when the set time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. So when Jesus said, the time is fulfilled, he's talking about the time. The time. For the Savior of the world who had already come, who had been born, who had grown into a man, to complete his work of saving the world. Now I would say to begin his work of saving the world, but really that started when Jesus, the very Son of God, took on our human flesh, when he came as man. To use Jesus' fishing imagery, it's morning or it's evening. The time is here. And Jesus makes it abundantly clear that the time is fulfilled when he continued by saying, the kingdom of God has come near. Now maybe when we hear that, we start to have some thoughts about what this kingdom would be. Maybe we think along the lines of many of Jesus' contemporaries that they thought that the Messiah, the Savior, was going to come and, and he was going to establish a grand worldly kingdom that he was going to set himself up on the throne to, to get rid of any pretenders to the throne. At this time, the, the Roman government. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. Keep in mind that, that later he's going to make it clear. He says to Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Now when Jesus said the kingdom of God has come near, really what he's saying is I'm here. I'm here as the Messiah, the promised Savior to carry out all of the work that has been promised providing salvation for the entire world. I'm going to do everything that was prophesied, everything that was promised about me. I'm going to heal the sick and raise the dead. I'm going to give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. I'm going to preach the good news. And eventually I'm going to go to the cross and die. But I will rise. And as I'm doing all of these things, in your presence, in your sight, the rule and reign of God, the kingdom of God is here, right here before your very eyes. So notice that, notice what Jesus is doing by announcing himself this way. As I mentioned, many of the Jews were looking for a different type of Messiah, a different type of Savior, one that would be more of a worldly ruler than a spiritual one. And so when Jesus, this, this ordinary-looking man from Nazareth, who to our knowledge had not really done anything remarkable since the time he was 12 when he was in the temple teaching the teachers there, when this guy who could have been anyone's next-door neighbor announces, I am the Messiah, well, that turns the ideas about the Messiah that many people had kind of upside down. The salvation that he had come to bring was going to be different, different from what many people expected at least. The best time for fishing indeed. We could, we could almost say that true fishing couldn't start until Jesus had come and announced that it was time. When he came and announced that the kingdom of God was there or here 
I should say, here to save, here to save us. From what? What do you need saving from? Well, if we're thinking along the lines of many of the Jews of Jesus' day, we may be thinking that we need to be saved from this world. I mean, we look at this world around us and we think about how terrible it is. We think about our own bodies and, and all of the aches and pains and sicknesses that we suffer. We look at our, our leaders and we get upset because they just seem to be power hungry or maybe the leaders of other countries, the same thing. Maybe we get frustrated that the economy is just never letting us get as ahead as we want to be. Maybe we get worried about the future for our children or for our grandchildren. But all of these things that we complain about, and notice I didn't even mention the weather, all of these things have one root cause, sin. And I'm not just talking about sin that's just kind of out there as this, this nebulous force. I'm talking about the sin that's right here, the sin that's in our heart. The sin in our heart separates us from God, and eventually it would lead to eternal separation from God, eternal death. And this is what we need saving from, sin, death, hell. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do, to save us from sin and death and hell and to give us life, life now, life forever with him in heaven. Yes, Jesus already said it is the best time for fishing, the best time because he is now there beginning his work as the Messiah. He also reveals the best method for fishing because he has the one and only message that's needed. Repent and believe in the gospel. How is this the best method for fishing? I mean, if we're talking about using that message to try to get people to come to Jesus, if we're telling them that, that they're sinners, that they're condemned, that they need a Savior, it doesn't really sound like it's a, a very attractive message. It doesn't sound like it's one that's, that's going to be bringing people in by droves. Well, let's circle back to the fishing imagery for a moment. When Jesus encounters Simon and Andrew, they're fishing. They're, they're casting a net into the sea. Now, fishing by net is different from fishing with, let's say, a rod and a reel or some type of a pole. If you're fishing with a, with a pole, what do you have? Well, you've got your pole, you've got a line, and at the end of the line, you've got a hook. On that hook, you put some bait, whatever bait you think is going to attract the the fish that you're after but if you're using a net to fish again that's different now in those days you would be either in a boat or maybe standing in the in the shallow water and and you would toss your net out into the water after which you would pull it in hoping to have fish in it no bait no sitting around waiting for a fish to come and grab your hook and, and try and make a run for it. You simply wait and, and see if hopefully that net is going to have fish in it. So how is Jesus' message of repent 
and believe in the gospel? How is that like a fishing net? How is that the best method for fishing? I want you to picture Jesus preaching to a large crowd of people. Now, it doesn't present him that way in, in this gospel passage, but, but we know there were many times Jesus did. Think about like the Sermon on the Mount. All right. What's he preaching? Well, the basic message is the same one here. Repent and believe in the gospel. What did he just do? He threw his net out. And remember what fishing with a net is like. You wait until that net settles a bit and then you start to haul it in. And so Jesus hauls his net in. And lo and behold, he's got fish in it. He's got people in it. And some of these people, many, who knows, are, are thrilled to be part of this catch because Jesus has saved them. He's given them life. But then Jesus keeps preaching. And he says, here's what it means to be one of my followers. You have to turn your back on all of your sins and leave them behind. All these things you're accustomed to do, you have to leave them behind. A few fish end up dropping out i mean come on jesus how is it we can live our whole lives without doing something sinful every once in a while without any consequences and jesus continues you have to turn your backs on your own families a few more drop out i mean really jesus turn my back on my very families he continues, you need to take up your cross and follow me. More, slip away. I mean, Jesus, come on, I thought my life as a Christian was supposed to be easier, not, not harder. And Jesus also says, by the way, I'm going to have to go to a cross and I'm going to have to die in order to save you. And a few more drop out. I mean, who wants to have a Savior who has to die. Now, maybe you consider all these fish that in the long run really don't want to be in this catch of Jesus. They figure that it's not worth it. Think of how Simon and Andrew, James and John were thinking about being fishers of men. They knew that, that with every cast of the net, you didn't know what you'd get. But in the long run, you still ended up with fish, at least some fish and that's what we have to count on when we when we think about using jesus method of fishing for people the message the message that we proclaim is the same one that jesus proclaimed repent and believe in the gospel at some point we heard that message and we were taken into that net maybe it was when we were babies babies who hadn't even built up a stockpile of sin yet, but we still had sin because we had the original sin that, that we inherited from our parents. But in those waters at the font, those sins were washed away. And if we didn't repent and believe in the gospel until we were older, it's the same result. We repented. We asked Jesus to forgive us for the sake of everything he's done for us. And he did. And when you think about it, that's actually what happens to us every single day. Jesus' method of fishing for us 
hasn't changed. We're shown our sin through God's law. And we become aware of something that we did do or didn't do that's the opposite of what God wants. And we hear Jesus saying, repent, believe in the gospel. And we turn away from our sin and we turn to Jesus trusting in him alone for our salvation, for our forgiveness. And we know that he alone is the one who forgives us because of his life and death and resurrection. We're happy to be caught in his net because we know, again, that that means for us life. Now, don't you wonder what was going through the minds of those fishermen when Jesus told them he was going to turn them into fishers of men. I mean, here he is, a carpenter. What does he know about fishing? Well, obviously these men knew that Jesus was talking about a different kind of fishing. One that involved hard work, yes. One that involved casting a net, but one that had much deeper consequences. And that same message that, that Jesus preached then is the same one that he tells us now. It's time to do some real fishing. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.